This is Clarence Cloverleaf, welcoming you to Cloverleaf Radio. Remember, you can always dial in at 646-716-4378. We call to watch your language, please, as we are an all-ages program. But we would be delighted if you would sign up for a blog talk radio account, should you so desire. The host with the most, Jimmy Falcon, and the gorgeous ladies of wrestling's Gremlina welcome possibly the biggest guest in history. Cloverleaf Radio history, that is. Nope, it's not Medusa the Snake Woman, or even Bert and Ernie. It's Eddie Munster, Butch Patrick. Join Cloverleaf Radio for this magnificent show of shows on September 25th, 2013, 5 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Pacific, and 6 on the Eastern Coast. It's worth checking out everything you hear, but you wouldn't just believe anyone. So here I am, the long, mysterious Cloverleaf B.O. guy, giving you the lowdown. Special thanks to EM at Onyx Moon Agency www.onyxmoonagency.com and www.blogtalkradio.com slash cloverleapradio. Be there. All righty, we're back, and I am the host of the most, Jimmy Falcon, Grimlin is by my side, and Butch Patrick's on with us. Awesome! Yes, I am. <laughs> Hello. Wow, Butch, isn't this a huge honor for you? I mean, I mean, isn't this just the biggest honor of the whole year for you? Absolutely, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we, Jim, we really get thank you as well. Real quick? Oh, God, hurry up, Gremlina. Don't take over. Butch, I, my, somebody yes. wanted me to tell Lola that they've been enjoying your conversation. Steve Perry from Rhode Island oh, Comic-Con told me to say he's fine. Oh, the Rhode Island Comic Con. Yeah, I I I might be up there next year sometime. A friend of mine was talking to the promoter of that. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, you'll love it. I go, I'm a two-time guest. It's fabulous. The people are great. They treat you right. You'll love it. All right. Well, then I look forward to it. Thank you. Well, I uh, was... Going to get started with the questions, I thought I'd kind of go backwards and hopefully ask you something no one had ever asked you before. Okay. Um, you know, I've heard, of course, I know, now I know that you're a pretty funny guy, and hopefully this proves it. Uh, who is one person you would pick to be left alone with if you were shipwrecked on Gilligan's Island? <laughs> well, if it was back in the Gilligan's Island heyday, it would be Don Wells. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sure a lot of people could agree to that one. Absolutely. And uh, I know that you're, uh, you know, only in your mid-20s, wink, wink, but uh, you still have some problems with acne, I've heard, which I was really bad as a kid, and it's getting a little better. I mean, how were you able to get past this when you were in your prime on the Munster? Uh, <laughs> just take the makeup off and use a good stringent. Might have helped that I did a Clearfield commercial, but I wasn't I wasn't the pimple popper. I was the photographer for the pimple poppers. Very interesting. Um, and I know since I got the the monsters question at the very bottom, I was going to ask you what were your fondest memories of working on the film Dickie Roberts, former child star, and getting to sing with uh, what I would consider the best of the best in child acting. <laughs> Going home at the end of the day. It was luckily it was only a two day shoot. It was a lot. Actually, the fun part was seeing a lot of old friends all in one place. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, gosh, uh, Danny Bonaducci and uh, the Lost Boys. Uh, I think I've, um, I can't even remember them all. It was so much, quite a few years ago, I guess. So. Actually, you know, what's most, most the good thing about that day is uh, I never met David Spade before, and he and I had lunch together, and it was fun talking to him about his career because he's done a lot of things that I really enjoyed. So he was very nice, and that was probably made the trip worthwhile. Wow, that's very cool. I've heard mixed, mixed feelings on him, but, I mean, for the most part, they've all been good. So I guess you got to stick with the good on people and forget about the, the possible naysayers. Mm-hmm. Grimlina, do you have a comment or another question or? Yeah. Um, I have a ton. I'll give it to you. I'll give you one. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, darling. Um, you know, you you were such a big part of my childhood. Jimmy saw you in reruns. I was there because I was born in 64. And I saw mm-hmm. it. Not from the beginning, but I was there. I, I had a crush on Eddie Munster as a kid. I thought you were adorable. Well, uh, thank you very much. It was. Uh, I, I have a lot of people come up and say they had a crush on Eddie Munster. I guess a lot of people were lonely and watching television. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, true. <laughs> but, no, I mean... The, the way you did the character, it was just adorable. And Thank you. It, it helped me years later when I developed the Gremlin character. I didn't want to be, e- I, I know I was supposed to be evil and vicious, but I took a page out of your book. And a mean character can be cute and cuddly and nice, too. And it, it really works. And yeah, he was, want- a regular, he, was, he, he, was a, he was a regular kid, you know? Yeah, and you know that's what was so endearing about him. And I just want to thank you for all the wonderful childhood memories. And I wanted to ask you, I'm going to steal this probably from Jimmy. How did you get the job on the moment? How did I get the job? Yeah. Was that the question? Yeah, I was, uh, well, I had done two series before that. I did a year of the uh, original General Hospital in 62, and then I did a year of the Real McCoys in 63. Um, and I was living in, I believe it, I was in Illinois, a little town called Geneseo near Moline. And I was living there with my grandmother, and they, uh, they had looked at all the kids. They had actually gotten it down to a kid named Happy Thurman they had picked to be Eddie, and they, they just weren't happy, apparently, at the end. So they put Yvonne DiCarlo and myself, uh, they flew me in for a screen test, and we both were hired on the spot. So uh, that's how I came to be Eddie Munster. Well, that's very cool. No, I actually didn't steal it, Grimling. Mine's a little different, but, uh, oh, well, we'll get there. I know that you're invited to be a guest at a lot of car shows, and I've heard you're actually a fan of a lot of different cars. Uh, what have been some of your favorite cars you've got to see at these shows or that you have owned personally? Well, the um, you know, I've done a lot of car shows because the Munsters had the Munster coach and the uh, Dracula, and they were like the first hot rods on television, so... They like to have me come out as a guest because most, most hot rodders enjoy the Munsters. But the fact for me, my first car was probably always my favorite. It was a, a 69 Mach 1 Mustang that I loved. And then after that, I got a 
427 L88 Corvette back there in the early 70s. Um, as far as all-time cars that I, that I would like to own or have, get a hand on, would be, I'd love to have a Hemi Cuda would be a, would be a wish list car. And maybe a GT40. Oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I send cars down to Australia. I actually have a company called Munster Muscle, and we uh, right now I've got a Cadillac Eldorado down there. I've got a Mustang convertible down there. I've got my Harley's there. '64 uh, Ford 289 wagons down there. So I, I move a lot of cars to Australia as well. It's kind of like a sidebar slash uh, job for me. And while I was there visiting a friend, that's what he does for a living. And I sold the two cars I had at the time, which was a 65 Mustang and a 67 SS Impala. So those both brought good money, and I decided that this would be an interesting, an inter interesting thing to do. I love the wow. 67 Impala. Yeah, it was a nice car. It was white with a candy apple red interior with a nice stroker motor in it. It was a, it was a fast car. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, thought, uh, I thought I would mention, uh, Butch, that I was able to meet uh, George Barris last year out in Hollywood. I was able to attend the Adam West Walk of Fame ceremony, and I knew that he had something to do with, with some of the designs on Dragula and the Monster Coach. I thought I'd throw that one. Yeah, no, he made, them all. he made them all. In fact, he's going to be at a car show this Sunday with me here in uh, Long Island. I see George quite often. He's a great guy. And, one of the highlights of my childhood was when I would be able to leave the set, uh, go out for lunch, and uh, leave the lot, and go visit George at his shop back uh, when I was doing the Munsters. And I saw the Sunny and Cher's Mustangs being built, and Frank Sinatra's uh, Stutz's and Elvis's uh, Cadillacs, and all that kind of stuff. George is great. Yeah, very down-to-earth guy, and I mean, mm -hmm. you know, very down-to-earth. Um, now, before I go into the monsters, uh, what's the most current project that you would like to discuss or any upcoming uh, signings or anything we'd love to have? Well, just, you, you can go to my, my website, which is monsters.com. Uh, has all the signings and all my scheduling and stuff there. That's the easiest way for people to find that. But what I really am excited about is yesterday was the 49th anniversary of the Munsters airing on CBS September 24th. And what I'm working on right now is for next September 24th, we're going to release a book, and it's going to be a coffin table book, uh, which is going to be nothing but fans and the stories from the fans about what the Munsters meant to them. We're going to have 13 chapters with 13 stories per chapter playing on the address that everybody knows as 1313 Mockingbird Lane. And when I do autograph shows, I've just I've been so impressed with how many people come up with warm memories and warm stories of what the Munsters meant to them that I thought it might be nice to put it into a book form for the fans and for a perfect gift for people that would like to buy something for that Munster fan in their in their Christmas list. And it'll be out next September 24th. So that is very exciting for me. That's going to be awesome. awesome. Definitely get. Well, it'll be great. You know, what we're going to do is we'll have uh, the input from the fans, as I said. Everybody, even if even if I don't use their story, I'm going to make uh, acknowledge them in the back of the book. There's going to be a, several pages of people who submitted stuff, even if it doesn't work, which is good. The fact that it's going to be a coffee table book and be called a coffin table book, obviously, there's going to be a lot of pictures people have never seen. I will take all the stories and and kind of lace them together 
into a cohesive into a cohesive book. But I've already got a publisher, and the stories are flying in. So I'm very happy that there's so many people out there that have fond memories of the show that are watching it with their grandkids, their kids, and their kids' kids now. So it's great. There's not a lot of shows that can have a uh, staying power of 50 years and still be popular with the younger generation. That's what I was getting across to Gerlina a couple of days ago. You know, she mentioned watching it when she was a kid, and then it, gets, it got to, like, 1991, and I was watching it with my grandparents. So, really, mm-hmm. it does span, you know, five generations. It's really interesting, and it's still going. And, it does, and you can always tell a pop. Well, you can always tell a popular show when they keep uh, reissuing the licenses for T-shirts and, and, and dolls and, and things of that nature. So, or, or when Walmart uses the Munsters theme in their Halloween promotions and marketing schemes, you know you're on you know you're on you're on solid solid ground. Well, it's, it's Jimmy. The thing is, it was well written. You didn't need gratuitous violence or sex or shock values. It was something the whole family could sit around and watch in the evenings or afternoons. And it was just good Well, people fun. ask me, you know, People will ask me what what do they what do I attribute or what do I think the reason for the staying power is and and it, you know it was it was a period which was really good and in number one the comedy writing was great TV was still in its somewhat infancy it wasn't you know it wasn't the golden age but it was certainly the silver age right in my opinion and the writers were writing such great scripts because everything that could be written for like I call them escapism shows which were I did two Mr. Eds. I did a My Favorite Martian. I did an I Dream a Genie. I did the Munsters. So these were shows that obviously weren't based in reality. Bewitched, My Mother the Car, all these type of shows were just written for pure entertainment value by very smart writers who were early in, in their careers that were writing for some, some very good shows. And then in the, in the later in the 60s, it became cop shows, lawyer shows, doctor shows, literally reality of what people were doing during the day. So I think people really enjoyed the fact that they would come home at 7.30 at night, get a TV tray out, get the kids around the television set, and all watch something together, whether it was the Beverly Hillbillies or the Munsters or the Addams Family and, and things like that. Yeah, those exactly. types of shows and, and, and the Gilligan's Islands and yes. I agree with Genies. And they're, they're still really popular with the box sets and, and the nostalgia crowd. Yeah, people, you know, buy absolutely into it. I mean, I'm a huge fan of. I mean, I love the I love Twilight Zones too. There was good stuff going on that wasn't comedy. That was very, you know, what if this could happen and what if that could happen. And the old Alfred Hitchcock's were very good back then. There was a lot of good programming going on aside from comedy. I mean, you know, Perry Mason for was a great lawyer show. I love that show. It was I did the Untouchables. I remember, I remember doing the Untouchables and the and a Ben Casey and a few other things. And then we had some great westerns in the early '60s too. I did a rawhide and a, you know a few other things and bonanzas and gun smokes. Half done will travel. Yeah. It was what it was, was intel- I call it intelligent television because it really oh. was. Well, it shows that a good storyline would work, and it was funny for the Munsters because you know a typical script that would. The, the, a situation that would not be funny for a typical a normal family became very funny when Herman Munster and Grandpa Munster were involved in the, the storyline. It just became funny because of, obviously, the nature of who they were. And having a dragon under the stairs didn't hurt. I love dragons. In my, <laughs> fairy, in my fairy tales, the dragons always win. Gosh, I don't want to read any of those books. You're going to scare <laughs> much, Now Let me get my question out before he starts trying to hang up. Wait, wait, wait. 
Uh, September 28th, I don't think it's going to work out. I still don't heard back from that person. The 30th is your big three-year bash. We got Antonio Palazzolo from Barter Kings on A&E. We got former WWF referee Mac McMurray. Actor Normandy Golden the second, Susan Lanyer from The Hills Have Eyes, and Pawn Stars Olivia Black. Uh, the first at uh, 4 p.m. Central Time, we welcome former WWF and NWA superstar Rugged Ronnie Garvin. Yeah. October 2nd, we welcome actor Mark Growl, who played Mario Luigi and Bowser in Hotel Mario. Uh, Mr. Sir Connor Ratchet Clank, and also is the narrator for Alaska State Troopers. Our former alumni, Chris Anglins, a.k.a. John F. Kennedy, is going to be joining us as our special celebrity co-host. Cool. October 6th. Go ahead. What's up? I noticed on the flyer it's going to have a lot of celebrity co-hosts coming up. Yeah, you're still going to be here. I hope you don't think you're, you're not being allowed to call in. Oh, just been no. something I've been tra- <laughs> just been you something I've been trying to get going. You, you can't get rid of me that easy. Yeah, I know. Uh, there has been, uh, you know, I've been trying to get it for a few years with celebrity co-hosts. So, uh, yes, they are going to be coming. Uh, October sixth, we welcome actor and special effects creator Clay Paul. He's been seen in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Troll, and Face Off. Uh, October the 8th, we, help, we welcome the dueling Ronald Union, as I've coined it, featuring Bev Bergeron, who played Ronald McDonald from 1966 to 1968, and Squire Friedel, who played Ronald McDonald from 1984 to 1991. And actress Jane Park Smith is going to be co-hosting that one. She is the best scene at Bring It On, In It To Win It, and Quarantine. She was also on the show uh, a few months back. Uh, October the 9th, we welcome Jonathan Joss, uh, best known as John Redcorn on King of the Hill. He was also in Tina Johnson, Family Vacation, Almost Heroes, and Parks and Recreation. Uh, the 13th, we welcome Star Spike TV's Tattoo Rescue, Joey Tattoo. Uh, the 15th at 10 p.m. Central Time, we got our big R-rated Rapture show, so if you're, uh, under 18 or you don't think you can handle it, just, uh, don't tune in that time. That's why I'm making it 10 p.m. again. This has been only the second time in over three years of us being G-rated that we've done it. So it's going to be awesome. Olivia Black's going to be on that one. Uh, Brandon and the Warrior coming back. Me and you. And uh, my old pal, Vinny the Guido, is going to be here. Oh, God. Grimlina's <laughs> like, wait. Grimlina's like, wait, what? Vinny the Guido? Hey. Well, you know. we're jam-packed, you know. 
You know I, it. We are always jam-packed. I appreciate it. I was talking to uh, Steve at Rhode Island. Um, you know what might be best? I may get you to get Corey or somebody to make up a flyer with contact information for you. And I'll give out flyers to people I meet up in Rhode Island. Potential guests. That'd be cool. That'd be, probably be a lot easier than me after having to send you all these friggin' business cards. And I'm still waiting on my Hollywood shot. I'm ready. Hi, this is Laura Hall. You probably know me best as the improvisational piano player on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And you're listening to Cloverleaf Radio.